welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. 75 degrees here in Franklin, Tennessee today. Some thunderstorms. Ian and I have been sitting on his porch, dreaming up future Typology podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Typology Podcast. And of course, you can follow Ian on Twitter at Ian Cron and Instagram at Ian Morgan Cron. Hey, we've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Patrick Chappelle. He is Southern born and bred, having been born in Birmingham and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Patrick earned his degree in oral communications and public relations from Lipscomb University, and he is currently a college and youth adult minister at Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. Patrick is an eight on the Enneagram, and he offers up some really helpful insights in his conversation with Ian today, so I know you're going to enjoy the show. So without any further ado, here is the host of our show, Ian Cron. Patrick Chappelle, yes. welcome, welcome, welcome to Typology. Glad to be here. It's been, what, a year maybe since we were together on a podcast. That's right. That sounds about right. Yeah, about a year. Yeah, it's been about a year. All right, so tell me, you are an Enneagram 8, the mm-hmm. challenger. Describe for from your perspective what what's what is an enneagram eight like what what's their fear what's the, what drives them what what's their passion their deadly sin all that stuff to help give folks context oh man um i would definitely say that eights are often um misinterpreted like people don't get it what eights are trying to be about um eights are about justice about um, looking out, especially if someone's in their group, in their tribe, they want to protect them at, at whatever that means, whatever that looks like. Um, so that's a big thing. Um, also, um, high energy movement. We like to see things get done. Uh, probably most eights that listen to this have already accomplished or already have on schedule to do a lot of things within a day. Um, eights have lots of energy. Um, I would say uh, the the downside of eights is that we are uh, we're not high on the vulnerability side of things. We uh, only trust a small amount of people, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much for you to get off that list. It's very hard to get on the list. And then you just have to do one thing and you're off the list. Well, no, listen, let's, let's, let's just talk about that for a second. Like, what would I have to do to get pitched off the list of, of uh, am I on that list yet? No. Okay. So let's say I was on that list. One of the things, by the way, people, you just need to know that eights are notoriously blunt. Okay. And, and they are not BS types of people. They are going to put it right out at you. So there this was an true. example. You saw it right then. If it was a two or three, they'd be like, or a four. Oh yeah, man, you're totally on my list. Twos would be like, oh, you're oh, totally yeah. on my list. Oh, yeah, Even if you sure. were nowhere near the list, they'd be like, oh yeah, you're totally yes. on my list, honey pun. Bless your heart. Yeah. So what, what, what do you got to do to get on the list? What do you got to do to get off the list of friends or close confidants of, of eights? So I would say to get off the list, it would be something like you. Uh, it would be breaking uh, trust and and not being honest. We want people who tell it like it is. You mean like I'm pissed off that I'm not on the list? Yeah, like if you're <laughs> mad that you're not on the list, I appreciate that more. I appreciate people who will uh, who who will engage in the conversation, understand that just because I may get, you know, excited or loud or like is seemingly aggressive about how we're talking about it. Like I'm just having fun within the debate that we're having. Mm-hmm. And some people can't handle that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're definitely not going to make the list if you can't even like engage in the conversation mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and yeah, just trust. I think trust is the big thing. And then to get on it, I think it's just, I don't, I don't, I think it's just a matter. I think it's time. I don't think that like someone can just say one thing and they're on the list. Um, my mom's on that list. 
and goodness, I've known my mother for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> as long as, long, as very, far back very, as I can remember. As yeah, far back as I can remember. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, family family members don't have, like, a, a bulletproof vest when it comes to staying on the list. Like, now, granted, you may be off the list. You may have been on the list and think you're still on, but, like, you're not. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I, it, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, there, there, there it is. Oh. All right. So <laughs> every number's got a, a basic fear oh, yeah. and a basic desire. Um, what would you say? Now, eights are, like I mentioned, challengers. Sometimes they're also called protectors or right. defenders, which right. I also like. Um, now, what is it that you guys basic basic right at the core of who you are what's the fear that you know is coloring the water of your interior world i would say the fear might be oh man the fear is um we have in some somehow some way every eight's different of course but Growing up and you have in some ways felt um, you were not in control of what was happening. And sometimes that's abuse. Not all the time. Um, Sometimes that's neglect. Not all the time. But whatever it may be, it's that I will no longer not be in control of me, of what's happening to me. And I don't want to. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that no one is able to um, to do that, mm-hmm. um, to to have such power over me that um, that I, that it's um, destabilizing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I, I maybe I, I would say that's a that's definitely a fear. Um, and maybe that's why vulnerability is a is something that we struggle with, uh, because a lot of eights, I would say, are tender-hearted. If you get really, if you start getting past all of the, all of the kind of like bigness that we bring to the room or bring to the space, uh, but for whatever reason in childhood that was taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and we are now not about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then, what's the what's the basic desire? I would say the basic desire is, I don't know, to, to see, to see things made right, to, um, make sure that, uh, I would say belonging Mm -hmm. is a big thing. Not only that we can belong, but others can belong because we believe that everyone should be able to belong and, we just go about it in a different way than maybe some other types mm-hmm. would, would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's a big thing is we want, um, I know that I want, I want people to belong. And like when, so a great example is like, I don't, for a lot of eights, I'm sure that I'll just speak in, cause I'm work, work in a church. Um, when eights would we'll just go with women, for instance, um, and especially when eight has a lot of women that are very like in their inner circle. So when women don't get to have the same rights and privileges as men do, that makes ve- that makes eights very upset. And like I have to be careful in the context that I work in to not like want to just I want to just be the bull in the china shop. And call out all the inconsistencies where I see them until we get the thing moving the way that it needs to be moving. Mm. Um, because I want everyone to belong. I want everyone to belong and have the same rights as everyone else in the space and in the and in the room and in the city or whatever. Right. So fairness, fairness, right, is a is a basic desire. I mean, yeah. in, I mean, I guess in addition to self protection. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, that. 
that desire for things to be fair and just and people who are unprotected to be protected. Absolutely. Their rights. Now, you and I, actually, I mentioned this at the opening of the show with Anthony. I, I was just at the march in Washington. Yeah. The March for Our Lives, which was awesome. Never Absolutely. saw so many eights in one place in my life. But but it was good as a four because yes. <laughs> I'm passionate about the topic. I mean, everybody, yeah. eights don't have the soul uh, right, proprietary rights over justice and fairness. Ones have it. We all have it, right? We just express oh, it in different we ways. It, I totally agree. Right? We express yeah. it in different yep. ways. How, so I guess um, you went to a march in San Francisco, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. I mean, this is kind of cool. Yeah. We live in a time of intense conflict, arguments, uh, debate. Um, I mean... Gosh, I mean, you just being at this rally, you, the energy is so humid right. with combativeness and conflict. Are you digging this season as an eight? Like, are you like just getting off on like, oh man, I'm loving all this stuff? Or is a point because you know, fairness, justice, these yeah. are huge matters. What what's it like for you? Are you just is it? What's the challenge and what's the joy of it? Uh, the challenge is that every that it seems that. There's a lot of people that are fed up like a lot of the eights have been fed up, especially if we agree that what these marches are about is the fair and right thing. Right. Now, granted, I think that what what I think is fair and right is maybe different than someone else. Right. But I am enjoying this season in a lot of ways because uh, we enjoy watching conflict unfold sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) and we love to see the people who have often been very passive about their opinions and thoughts to finally speak up and finally get in the game. Uh, Because for a lot of times it's usually those of us that have this kind of energy that are the ones that are doing the marching or the fighting or, and not like physical fighting, but like verbal, you know, pushing things through, making the phone calls, getting in, you know, and having those hard conversations. And so it's kind of an exciting time. But then um, I would say the challenge would be, I think for those, there's still so many people who are in the middle and who don't know which side of the coin to listen to. And, all of the yelling and whether it's on a thing like Twitter or Facebook or whatever um, doesn't necessarily help those folks in the middle because they're like, I don't know. And so I think that's the danger is that, and that's always the danger with an aid is that sometimes our, the way that we put it out there ends up making the people in the middle feel like I don't, I can't, I don't know about that because it feels like you're trying to push me in a way and I don't want to be pushed. And so that is often a challenge when you're so passionate about something that you kind of maybe in some ways over communicated or, or too passionately communicate it. And it ends up turning people away mm. and, and missing the point of why you're so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's trying to find a way to keep the, the zest and passion behind what you're trying to say, but, get those folks in the middle to kind of like, okay, this, see how this side is, is, is good for all of us. So what I hear you saying is something that I think is a really good sign of health for an eight, right? Yeah. Which is they can be intolerant of people who are weaker than they are. Yeah. They can be, uh, uh, very black and white in their thinking, right? Either or in their thinking, you're either with me or you're against me. You're a foe or you're a friend, you're left or you're right, blah, blah, blah. Yes or no. In part because to waffle or equivocate represents weakness. And and, I mean, eights just don't want any weakness to show, right? No vulnerabilities. They want to be strength to be asserted uh, over the environment and control, right? Uh, Mm Of the space, not because they're secure uh, necessarily, but more because they're afraid, right? Or no, not afraid is not the right word. They're, they're concerned about anyone being able to control them. Yeah. Now, yeah. Fear is not actually the right word. I would use that for a counterphobic six more than yeah. for an eight. Eights would be more fearless. But you're saying that what you've learned is, hey, man, I've got big guns. And I got to be careful that I don't, um, in my passion, 
overwhelmed, those who may not have opinions as strong as I tend to have or, or carry them in their body mm-hmm. the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. Is that? Oh, yeah. I think that's right on the nose. And I would say that, and I'm, I'm going to say something that may be a little bit bold, but I would say that only happens for eights that have done a lot of work and that are mature, maybe older even. Um, I think teenage eight, not a chance, mm. not a chance they could be there. It's either, cause that was me. I mean, you're either with or you're against mm. and you're either strong or you're weak, mm-hmm. which is it? And so I think only through trial and error of seeing how that has turned people away and, and your messaging has gotten lost. How, how do you realize, okay, I, I need to find a better a better way mm. uh, now I'll be truthful the the problem is that even though I may can verbally hold back some of it some of the things I want to say and how I want to say them uh, sometimes non-verbally it doesn't work because I do often have a face that if you are saying something that is way off base or what I would say is ridiculous or you know dumb I can have a face that makes you feel like you've said the dumbest thing on planet Earth. <laughs> show it to me. Show me the face. <laughs> Come on, man. Show me the face. I want to see I'm going to try to get it. It's like. <laughs> oh, people, I wish you could see it. I can feel it. It's, it's the look of like, it, it, right now, here's what I'm feeling. Do you matter? <laughs> yeah. And so that is what happens. It's like, it's, so I'm starting to figure out how do I. You know, work on the nonverbal thing so that maybe I don't verbally say your what you've said is wrong in every sense of wrong, but uh, my nonverbals are trying to catch up still. So, mm. so uh, yeah. So you want fairness? Mm-hmm. You want justice? We're living in a season where those are very debated ideas. Absolutely, you're just soaking off the energy of it. What do you do to moderate? Like, because that's a big thing for eights is like a virtue they have to one sort of. Uh, it's not the virtue, which the virtue. And we'll come back to that. Is innocence, but really, right. what is? How do you moderate? How do you? How do you just like pull back and tap the brake and not be an overwhelming person to the point that it's people are feeling like they're getting chucked in the wood chipper. Yeah. So uh, one exercise that works for me is. Uh, deep body breathing Mm. because it's so much like it gets in here so much like the body gets so tense doesn't want to say it and just get it out and so if I'm not in a space or is it if it's not the time or if I need to figure out a better way I need to I take some deep body breaths and that usually will help um and what do you think about when you do that? So you're, you know, you and I are, you know, you're, you're just feeling all that intensity because, you know, you guys, lust is the, is the passion. That's the right. deadly sin, man. And it's intensity. It's right. passion that can be, you know, it's just like a tsunami-like, you know, sort mm-hmm. of an experience for other people, maybe for you as well. I don't know. But it's like when you go to connect with the body through breath, which I think is awesome, what are you telling yourself? Like what's, what's going through your mind? Well, after I get past all of <laughs> the unkind things I want to say, <laughs> it it then gets to a space of like, okay, this there's a there's there's a better way for me to say this. You, you know, I start and then I start. I try to look at all the different sides of the situation where that person's coming from, what what's happening in their life that makes them think the way that they're thinking and I try my best to like r- rail that all in and it doesn't always work you know it doesn't always happen like that um, but when it does it it's, it usually works out better and I would say another another thing that would be that helps me kind of relieve some of the the tension um, that kind of lives within my body is that I go boxing of course you do yeah of course <laughs> Of course, of course. So I have a, a membership at a boxing gym here in uh, in Nashville, and that is honestly me finding boxing has been incredible because I get to hit a heavy bag 
for an hour. And after you're done hitting a heavy bag and doing all the exercising and the different combinations post workout, I'm it's you know, I'm feeling good and I'm feeling at a, a different level of peace and, re- and relaxation where some people may feel tired. I feel like, oh, yeah, this is I'm in a good space to go yeah. back into whatever the work is that's ahead of me. That's so good. It sounds like what you're doing is you're burning off the unhealthy excesses mm-hmm. of, of, of type, right? And every type has something to do like that in, in right. some way. What I love about what you just said, because it's so good for eights who are listening, if you're just starting your journey of transformation, listen to me on this. What you just talked about was self-knowledge, right? You know your type. So that's just information, right? I know this is what I'm like. I know that this is where I can get in trouble. I know that this is the work I have to do. But then... And so you're doing things. You're doing things like boxing, right? You're right. doing things. You're, you've got disciplines right. that you're using to kind of, you know, work with type. Now, the other thing you're doing, though, is self-awareness, which I think is different from self-knowledge. Knowledge is just information. Self-awareness is employing information in the moment. So when you're saying to me, I'm taking deep body breaths, I, when in the moment, when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I have enough self-knowledge now that in the moment, my my awareness of what's happening in this space at this time activates and i say to myself okay i know that my face can do this maybe i'm looking in the face of the other and realizing that they're responding to me in a way that's not helpful like i'm i can see what i've triggered in them take some deep breaths pull the guns back maybe be more curious about what they're thinking get in their point of view right so i love that because yeah. you just gave a great you just schooled some eights out there <laughs> and schooled some people who know eights and what they can remind eights to do yeah right yeah in, in in the moment right yeah that's right okay so let me just jump to other stuff how's this eight thing working out for you as a pastor <laughs> it's uh there are great benefits and and uh uh are great benefits to being an eight and being a pastor and there's also um the challenges are are real you yeah know? come on i mean you're supposed to be really huggy kissy and lovey and like yeah. be, a lot of eye contact a lot of hugging <laughs> a lot of like oh a lot of fm voice I yeah, call it the fm yeah, voice like yeah. oh wow like i really i sense that maybe we should have coffee this week yeah that's the fm voice you you don't do that stuff per se, right? Yeah, because I mean, if you have coffee with me, and eventually, if if I'm like, I'll I'll come in and tell you like this, what you're doing is ridiculous. <laughs> Fix your life. <laughs> Fix your life. <laughs> what are you doing? And then I'm like, oh, that probably wasn't the best <laughs> session. We'll we'll come back in next week. We'll try again. Well, I'll I'll try to bring some more. You know, comforting. but there is a stereotype. But there's a stereotype. And you're busting yeah. it a little bit. I'm busting it a little bit, and. Uh, and I would say that that's just where, and anyone that's done work as a pastor's pastor knows this, that over the years of you doing the one-on-one sessions with people, whether it's coffee or lunch or breakfast or whatever, you begin to understand, like, here's the better way for me to have these interactions. And it is true. Like, I, I'm not like this, you know, let me hug lovey dovey all this like kind of thing what you have some some pastors that will that will be like uh but i've learned like okay well this is just a part of the work so if i'm gonna do this work and stay in this game i'm gonna have to do some of this you know i'm gonna have to be okay with doing the the hugging and doing all the kind of more of the softer things Uh, and that's okay um but i think what people appreciate about the way that I do things um, is that I can be direct. And I think that some people, or I will say no to in, in, in a, in a interaction or like, yeah, that's not good. Or that's not the right thing to do. Um, where some people may not be as direct, you know, depending on their type. Um, I think eights who are pastors are, are okay with like calling BS where BS is. Mm-hmm. And in helping you kind of own what's yours and, and, and at the same time own what's not yours. And so I think that's one thing that I've learned uh, to use in my corner is that, OK, I just I do this differently and I may not be the 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 flavor for everybody. But there are obviously some people that enjoy the uh, the way that I the way that I do it. Um, 
Now, the, the, the challenge is, is that, you know, you want, you have so many, I think I, at least for me, have so many ideas and so many things you want to do. And there's a, there's a way that it can be done. Um, but getting, but when you work in church, like everyone's volunteering their time. And so it's like, I kind of have like a level of like, this is how I want it way up here. Um, but everybody else is kind of like, well, you know, I'm doing this and that and this and, and, and well, this is good enough. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, no. Um, but we, I have this level of like excellence that I want. And sometimes I have to realize, I have to realize and have learned to realize that like, well, and, and I think the Enneagram has helped with this, understanding that there's different types that are in this ministry, in this church, and that I have to be able to kind of like work with the fact that this guy who's evolved my ministry is a four. So I have to, which is Jesus. <laughs> I would say that the what's great for an eight and a four, one of my good friends is a four in the Enneagram. The great thing is, is that I'll just say, look, we're not going to be sad about all the stuff. So you pick that thing. You can be sad about that. I'll hang out with you in that, but we are not doing the whole, all of it. Like you can't. And he's like, I know. And I'm like, well, that's, that's good because like we can't do that today. So let's do that. Well, I'll be, we can hang out and be sad about that thing. That's cool. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, it's great, but then it's, it's good for an eight to have a four because they will, they put them in the fields very quickly because they love to be in the fields and apes need some of that and you were just also talking about again i think it's a sign of real health for an for an eight you when you're doing well go to the high side of two and now you're becoming attuned to the feelings of other people you're getting in touch with their feelings and you're able to meet them and i'm assuming if you're in a good space you're also willing to be vulnerable and weak in front of people do you like, how do you get there? Do you, is that do you actually have a little switching? Because for me, I go to vulnerable like I shouldn't. <laughs> there are moments when I'm vulnerable and telling people stuff about myself, where it's like, no, that was a little too soon. <laughs> that was a little too quick for this relationship. I mean, I just met them and they're the postal person. You know, yeah. it's like I probably shouldn't have told them about my alcoholism. So you, you, how do you do it? Do you hear a switch go off in your head that says time to be vulnerable? Oh, um. And this is just me, uh, so I'll speak to what I do, and maybe some other eights out there do this too. But there is, a, there's a bag of vulnerable things that we have, really, that we were probably willing to share. Name me three. <laughs> so three would be, I would talk about the relationship between my father and I. Um, I would talk about, uh, some of the kind of shortcomings and, uh, disabilities that I had as a kid, such as I had a huge stuttering problem. I'm dyslexic. Um, and I have scoliosis. So I have a metal rod in my back. And so those are, those are just a few of the things that's like, okay, these things, uh, are vulnerable things to me. Like if it had it my way, I would never, here's a great example of the, even with uh, being dyslexic is that I refused to have special testing time because I was dyslexic. I was like, no, I will sit in this room with everybody else and take the test like everybody else takes the test. Um, Was that a justice issue for you or is that a vulnerability? I don't want to be pure weak. Yeah, I think there was that. I think if I knew the Enneagram as a kid, it would have, that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to appear weak. And I didn't like having me taken out of class to have speech therapy classes. So how I, did you overcome it? Just on your own? What, like, with stuttering? Yeah. The, the speech therapist. Okay. She's amazing. Anyone right. that does that, that work is, I, I automatically love them because I know how much. Um, you know, I do that work, right? Do I make the list now? Am I closer? You're getting closer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number three. You've got you've got uh, grown up with uh, challenges, scoliosis, dyslexia. You've got your dad. What was the third one? Uh, I ain't letting you off the vulnerability hook yet. (laughs) Oh man, man, you're listening. That's that's good. Uh, Probably the third. Oh, I would say. The third would be 
Oh, man. Probably. Well, I, I know. The third is that there is uh, there's a couple like work situations, like jobs that I didn't get that I really wanted. So, so I will use that as talking about like being disappointed, not getting the thing that you wanted because you, you thought you were qualified, but for whatever reason, the, the group of elders or the hiring group of the company didn't want you. And so I can speak a little bit about that and that's vulnerable to me at least because, you know, I didn't win. I didn't get the job. And that's one thing that I really in, in, enjoy saying is I'm, I'm often able to get jobs very easily in my life and as a kid, but as there's, those are those few moments where it didn't work in my favor. Mm. And so, um, those are three. And, and what usually happens, I think, uh, for some aides, like there's some things that we'll just never be vulnerable about. Uh, like, but, uh, no, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, those are three. All right, so those are the three things that you you often turn to in the moment when you're feeling like, man, I gotta I gotta like relate to this person on the level of emotion and feeling, and in order to do that, I'm gonna have to share weakness and vulnerability. Yeah. Now, what happens when you really are in the moment? You're sensing a pain. You got to go someplace deep. You got to go past those three standbys. Have you ever been surprised by tears or feelings of like? just dying inside for another human being and, and suddenly a vulnerability came up for you and it surprised you and has that happened for you uh, not I would say that it has happened um, in maybe like a couple sessions with people uh, when I'm having interactions with people it it probably rarely happens in like a public setting, like if I'm speaking to like a large amount of people. What would happen if you did? What would you feel? Let's say you're preaching or you're teaching, you got a big crowd in front of you, and suddenly you say something, for whatever reason, triggers tears or triggers a, a knotted throat or you got to stop and mm -hmm. pause. Like what happens? To, what do you feel afterwards? What do you feel in the moment? Uh, in the moment, I'm like, well, <laughs> here we go. Like, because I think for an eight, if tears start to come they will come like it's it's not like a we can just have like a single tear it's like because we you know we hold back crying moments mm. and so when it comes when the cries when the tears come they mm. come like a waterfall potentially um it's not good afterwards because now everybody wants to come up and hug you and say it was so great and you're just like what have I done? Why did yeah. I not know to stay away from that? Um, why have I advertised why, that vulnerability? Yes. And some people love that. They would just love that people are like surrounding them. And, but man. Well, you know why, right? It's because you never do it. Yeah. And so when you do do it, I mean, this is my experience with an eight daughter. When I, although she's pretty, she's pretty vulnerable at times. She's pretty great. But a good friend of mine, a friend of yours as well, whose name I won't mention is right. Nate. When when he gets all teary or something like that, everybody leans in because it's like, oh, there you are. Right. There there <laughs> it is. That's the guy behind the curtain. Right. Right there. And so what feels like awful to you, to the rest of us, is like, oh, there. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That's deep right there. We just went to a deep and wonderful place. So, all right. I want you to finish these sentences. Are you ready? Oh, boy. I will finally love myself when. When I let, when I let go. When I let go of having to protect my image. Okay. Um, this is a nuanced question. Uh, when I blank, it's impossible for me to forgive myself. When I hurt someone who I really care about, mm -hmm. like truly deeply care about, um, when I hurt them, it, that's, that does a number on me. Mm. What? most makes you angry these days oh. <laughs> oh man what makes me angry is people 
who really just don't want to love and accept people as they are. It makes me so mad that, and and I would say that especially for those of us that wear um, some type of label that is Christian, when we don't want to include and accept and love all the people, like all of them, I could rant for days on that. Mm. Like I'm, I am completely fine for anyone who isn't a part of the Christian, the larger Christian movement to be anti other people. I'm totally fine with that. But for those, for those of us that say we are Jesus people and we don't love and include and welcome and accept all people. Who are you thinking about? I'm thinking about LGBTQI folks. I'm thinking about women. I'm thinking about refugees. I'm thinking about the poor, um, the people who are living in our inner city. When we, (laughs) when we don't want to stand up for all of those people, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Mm. We should absolutely be ashamed of ourselves. Okay, so that makes you mad. It makes me. I'm I'm kidding. I'm I'm trying to hold it in. I'm I'm pulling my chair back. (laughs) Not because I'm scared, just because I'm scared. Um, All right, so that makes you mad. What makes you sad these days, isn't it? What breaks your heart? When people are taken advantage of and when people are left out. Can you Um, name an instance where you saw it? And you literally in your body felt sadness, not anger, but sadness. Right. Um, what always a, a moment I can always remember moments, whether in college or even out of college, where I'm in a space and I see someone who just seems to have no one that wants to connect with them. Mm-hmm. That makes me incredibly sad mm. um, because they. It, it, it they don't have that people don't even see them and it's like it's like they're not even being seen and when someone is unseen or or, or at least like it, their body language says that no one is really trying to see me or include me that just makes me really sad so i'm gonna ask you a third one okay but before i do i want to push on something here i'll push on it all right so oftentimes with eights what they do with what uh, they're, what they see that makes them mad, what they see that makes them sad, because they don't acknowledge or uh, their own vulnerability and weaknesses. They see it in the other and rush to protect them, uh, almost as a way to do it for themselves, because they're they're so identified with them, but don't they're not in touch with the fact that they identify with mm-hmm. them. Because, mm-hmm. oh, that would be, you know, having to oh, yeah. acknowledge my own weakness. But I can go take yeah. care of someone else who's weak and, <laughs> and, and eliciting sadness. But are you the one who feels left out? Are you the one who feels like the refugee? Are you the one who feels and, and or is it purely for the other? Or is there a, is it you also rushing to protect yourself? Oh, boy, that's. Yeah. I think the answer is yes. I would think it's all of that. For $50. <laughs> I would say that the answer is all of that. I think that there's there's for sure moments in my life as a kid, as a teenager, as a college student that I have felt in some ways that been in, in being in that space. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think I'm all the way there now. Uh, and maybe that's why that those you know the the collection of people and maybe we don't share the exact same like labeling but you know me being uh black um newsflash if you didn't look at the notes i'm a black man <laughs> but uh <laughs> we'll put that in the notes, we'll in the notes yeah. <laughs> but being black and growing up and uh going to a predominantly white high school predominantly white church, you know, predominantly white university, you know, you definitely feel there are moments where you feel that you 
are being uh, left out or not understood or not supported in the ways in which you need to be supported. Mm. So that you definitely have had that experience. And that's, and that's all of childhood. That's not like that, that happened in this one moment. Like there's, there's, there's situations in little, little pockets in with, with all within my whole life. So I would say there's a little bit of both. I would say that, that I would say that it's not just me seeing myself in those folks, but it's also, um, I just want, I want the best in, in everything for all people, especially for those of us. Again, it all wraps up in like what, what's your identity or what's your labeling or whatever that is, then that, that should mean something. And I feel like it doesn't mean, at least it doesn't mean that for a lot of folks, for some people, like I, I know a lot of people who are with me in that, in that sense of like, yeah, you're right. But then there's others that are just like, no, it's just about those that look and act mm-hmm. and behave like us. So that's mad and sad. Mm-hmm. What's been making you glad these days? Oh man, what's making me glad? Uh, well, I mean, truthfully, coming back from sabbatical is making me glad. Mm. Uh, How long I, were you off on? I was. You were gone. in San Francisco, right? Or yeah, you, you I was. Did this trip? Well, I was in San Francisco, L.A., Portland, Seattle. And I was gone for a month, and it was great. Um, that it made me incredibly happy and just rested and feeling uh, or just grateful to have that opportunity because I know not everybody gets that, especially those that work in churches and those that don't work in churches. You know, they don't, uh, don't get something like a sabbatical, like a month off to just kind of connect to who you are and read and travel and and things of that nature. And what, what was, I just had a realization that, one of the neat things or, or great things about the sabbatical for me was um, I took a took a posture of not trying to control everything or plan everything. I was kind of just letting it happen as it as it will. And that's so different because usually I'm the planner. I want to like organize and I want to, you know, let's make the list full of things to do. But I said, let's not do that, and let's just kind of let's just see what happens. Mm. I was in Indianapolis teaching, uh, I don't know, a month ago, and there was a uh, a black woman in the front row, and she was an eight. And uh, you know, the funny thing is, because I've been doing panels, so I I bring people up front. I talk for like twenty minutes. This is awesome, by the way. I love this. And then I just bring people up front, partly because of my experience here doing. I'm like. What the heck? Why am I teaching this? Like you're doing a much better job of teaching this. It, it's much better if I just get up, <laughs> ask some questions, and then see where it goes. Right, it's right, also a little right. bit more fun. Um, so she stood up and she says, "Well, I want to tell you. I want to tell you something about being a woman eight. She said, "But I want to talk to you about being an angry black American woman eight, and what that experience is like." And then I gave her 15 minutes, and she that took it up. That was she, good. I got out of the way. <laughs> and so, in your experience as an eight black man Mm -hmm. in America in a white church in a southern city born in Birmingham yeah I mean I can give a long list of credentials here so how does that complicate being an eight or not how does that how does being an eight complicate being a black man or not um so the reality is is that for some people, they just assume that within all black men and black women is the angry black man and the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, if you are or if you behave as the angry black man or as the angry black woman, well, they're just being, you know, they're just being black because that's just what black people do. They're angry. They're always angry. That's how some people would some people think, right? Mm-hmm. And so, in and so, in some ways, like you, um, you kind of have to work in that realization that some people already have an idea of what you're going to be like, or what you're going, how you're going to behave in certain situations, certain scenarios. Um, for me, uh, I think this is where being an eight and having uh, a seven wing for a big part of my life has helped 
because I feel like the sevenness, that energy helps, you know, uh, break it down a little bit, right? To make it so not so ag- aggressive, uh, because uh, I and a lot of it, a lot of it comes with humor, and so you can disguise a lot of things with humor and being funny, and then so if you're if you got some funniness, right, and then you occasionally slip in some, you know, like some very direct kind of like language, you know, well, he's been funny a lot, but yeah, so it's kind of, it's fine that he, you know, and, uh, but it has been interesting um, because a lot of times you end up, and maybe not in my current context, I think it's been great being at the church that I'm at because um, no one's always wanting me to be the the black representation of the United States of America, right? Like I, I don't often get like, so Patrick, tell us what do the blacks think about this situation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't I haven't been to my black meeting this week, so I don't know what <laughs> I, <been> my black <laughs> I don't know what what we're thinking about the said situation. You know, um so I, I don't get that I don't get that at my current place. But there has been other I worked, you know, in other industries in, in life and that's definitely been the situation where you feel like people want you to provide the answers for all of black America because mm. you are the black person that they know. Mm. Um so it, it has been and it has been interesting and what and probably what is the biggest challenge is for those of us who are black um who do either attend um, or go to predominantly white churches because in some ways we are living in two completely different worlds in some ways. Like we have this world where we go to the church that we go to because we connect there, we found community there and et cetera. And then we also have our family and our family may not always be in the same space, you know, that these folks that we go to church with, that we go to work with. And so you kind of have to like navigate the waters of like, I'm in this space. So I kind of have those certain things I'm thinking about and how I need to communicate and express myself. And then you go over here and then, you know, you got to figure out like, you got to kind of remember and, and lean into like, this is what it's like to be in a situation where it's just all black people. Cause that's a different, that's a different situation. And mm-hmm. the, and and some will 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 listen and say, well, you should just be the same that you are over here that you are over here. I don't disagree with that necessarily, but I think that you have to understand. It's all about reading your room. Um, not every room needs the same kind of energy. Not every room needs you to 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 be uh, a giant prophetic voice about the injustices that's happening in the city. Not every room needs that. Eventually, you should probably get there, but I, but you need to get there in, in, in the time that that room needs it. Some rooms you go in, you know, you got to get right right to the point. And some rooms you kind of have to take your time. And I think that's just what I've learned over the years is understanding the space and the place that I'm in and and giving that space and place what it needs to go to the next, to the next thing. Mm. So we're coming to the end of our time. And one of the things I love about this conversation and, and conversations with with all numbers is coming in sideways instead of just saying well what's it like to do this and you know right. i want people to get a flavor of the interior world uh of the eight so and their wisdom as well what would you tell your 20 year old self now what, what would you what do you wish you'd go back and tell them um I would tell him to uh, try to trust more people. Um, I would tell him to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Chill out, man. Uh, Yeah. And and I guess the third thing I would tell him is to um, you have a voice on the campus that you're on use it wisely I think I in some ways in college took um, I didn't take full advantage of 
the platform and uh, that I had mm. and the opportunities that I had. And I would tell 20 year old self, like you've been given some unique situations, you know, make the most of those be wise with the, the, the platform you've been given. Sounds cool, man. Well, listen, we close with also trying to talk about some tips for people, you know, like tips for transformation and, how they can grow is in, in terms of their personality. Cause you know, you know, this to be true. Like, you know, your number is not an excuse, no. right? Your number is no. not an excuse to continue doing the same stuff that hasn't been working. Right. We want to bring out the best of, of, of your temperament, your disposition, your experiences, your personality. And we want to either mute or completely disidentify with those parts of our personalities that are getting in the way yeah. of our becoming our best Cells you were just describing, like in college, you know, well, that yeah. there was some stuff standing in the way there. Right. So let me just throw a few out and then you add or, or, or maybe, um, you know, disagree or, or, <laughs> or, or, or even hone in a little bit more sure. on some work that AIDS can do. You've already said some great things, right? You got to do some body work. Absolutely. Right. You, you've got to develop the kind of self-awareness in the moment that realizes I have the biggest personality on the Enneagram and I have to be very, very uh, aware of how I am affecting people in the moment and for, and be able to uh, regulate, right? Self-regulate my intensity because it may be just too much for this two or this one or this five. Oh my gosh. Right. Eight and a five. Woo. That can be intense for the five. Right. Mm -hmm. So just realizing, and for you, it's about breath. It's mm -hmm. about getting in touch with breath mm -hmm. and saying, okay, deep breath. I got to, Gotta pull back here and be yeah. more sensitive or attuned, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So here's a couple of, of others that that oh, and one more thing you said that I loved. I want to make sure I highlight this, which is to work against that all or nothing thinking. Yeah. You it's interesting you were talking earlier about, you know, realizing when I'm talking to people, they may not have my point of view, but there's a lot of different points of view out there and I gotta be respectful, right? Yeah. As you were saying. Yeah. I think that's also your nine thing coming out, that's right? That's what I'm saying. I feel that nine stuff happening. Right. You you self identified like as the eight with seven, but you said to me before we started, I yeah. feel this nine yeah. thing emerging. Yeah, it's how weird. old are you? I'm thirty six. Yeah, man, you're heading toward that second half and so you're you're getting that you're getting that maybe that other wing kind of activating yeah. in there, which often happens in that second half of life. Yeah. So that all or nothing uh, way of paying attention, it sounds like it's moderating for you. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's a really good sign of, uh, of self-development happening, mm -hmm. self-development. So I would tell eights out there, you got to practice vulnerability and you got to do it intentionally and consciously, or you won't do it at all. It's just not in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I completely agree. So you've got to be able to say, all right, yeah, I'm going to go do this study today and I'm going to look for, you know, I'm going to lead this class or I'm going to be have this lunch or I'm going to do something today. But I'm going to literally say three times today, I'm going to try and be more vulnerable than I typically am. And I would tell folks, listen, you got to be that intentional. Every single number. You can't just say, oh, you know, as a four, I'm going to try and, you know, be a little less emotionally overwhelming to people. You got to say, today, Three times, I am going to practice equanimity intentionally, not vomiting up every feeling I have in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, or today I am going to do, you know, as I said, less of this, more of that, right. whatever, just be more aware. So I think for eights, just uh, having an awareness that I need to practice weakness and vulnerability because that's courage, yeah. not not being armored up and defended. I think another thing for eights is uh, connecting with innocence. Uh, and what I mean by innocence, I love this definition. I got this. I, I've been, I don't know if I told you this, but the reason I was in California myself a couple of weeks ago is I've been, I've been taking these classes with the Helen Palmer School oh, wow. in the narrative tradition. And that's also the reason I've been using panels ah. so much, right? Because that's what I, I and I've decided to go to it because I want to learn how to do the panel work, right? right. And, and they would say that, that, that innocence is open heartedness without the cynicism. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? That's good. So for an eight, part of the journey is being open-hearted without the cynicism, right? And man, I'm from outside New York City, so I know something about cynicism, but <laughs> what is that? Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, that's that. Yes, that's that's a good one. That's a mm. keeper. Um, I love that. And I love even, um, I would say hanging out with kids is great. <laughs> 
Yeah. Because kids are super innocent and they just, I don't know. There's something about like having a conversation with like a, a small human that just really, you know, uh, helps you get in touch with some of that innocent stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, cause they, they're, they're just kids. Yeah. I would say a great book for eights and I love recommending books for people. But a book I've read recently is, uh, have you read Crucial Conversations? No. Okay. So here's why I like this book. By the way, nines, I think you should read Crucial Conversations. It's about having hard conversations with people. And it's not because you're going to struggle with having the conversation like a nine, (laughs) but it's going to help you learn what are, like, for example, here's something an eight needs to do is use anger to focus and clarify, but not to blame. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so the book will help. It has a whole section on like, how do you express anger without it becoming about an indictment or a, uh, uh, dismissing, having it be about the topic, not about the person. Have it be about the, the whatever the point of disagreement is, not you. It's you and me arguing about that. Right. Yes. You that's know? good. So that's another thing for H2. You got another one for H, like work they oh, can do? Oh, man. Um so I, I just read a book yeah. over a sabbatical, one of one of the many books. I thought it was very helpful to me, and I think partly it's because of his style of writing is very direct in how he talks about things, and it's called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That book. Yeah. Re- watch, the, watch the film series, too. Oh, man. You From the sh- 70s. Oh, Have oh, you I watched it? No. Oh, my I will gosh. be watching it tonight. So okay, that's well, something go that- on YouTube, put in Anthony DeMello, watch his stuff on, <laughs> on awareness, uh, because it's all very 70s. Yeah, but but cool. He yeah. was very, very cool, man. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Catholic priest uh, from India. Yeah, He's, that's uh, right. Mm-hmm. India. Uh, and, you know, uh, a little bit of a guy that was like Richard Rohr, controversial within the Catholic world, mm-hmm. but uh, swimming in the same waters as as Richard yeah. and pushing it, pushing the envelope in a major way. Well, we got to close out, man. Before we do, can I just ask you, do you know what Patreon is? Absolutely. What is Patreon? You know, can you, can you just tell the kind listeners of Typology? So Patreon is, say you love a podcast like this one. Like this one, for example. Yeah. And you can go onto Patreon and you can give as little, I don't know, as a dollar. As a dollar. To contribute to the production, to all of the kind of ins and outs that makes this podcast possible. And Patreon is amazing. It's simple. It's easy. And literally, it's a dollar. You can give just a dollar. You should give more than a dollar. But it's so little, so easy, and it helps so much because... Podcasts are great, especially ones like this one. Man, you rock. You know what? You actually knew a lot more about Patreon than I knew. And you're a much better spokesman than I realized. We may have to use that going on in the future. We're going to use that in the future. Just your your description of it. Folks, you can go to www.patreon forward slash typology and help us. Because this costs some bread, man. It does. You know, Anthony's over there. He's thousands and millions of dollars a month, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is what happens when like you hire Dan- Daniel Lanois to be your podcast engineer, you know? <laughs> Phil Spector's my podcast. En- well, actually, that wouldn't be cool because he's in prison. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is you can financially help make this uh, podcast possible. And uh, again, patreon.com forward slash typology. You can also visit our website, which is www dot typologypodcast.com friends and neighbors first Patrick thank you so much for being here thanks for having me it was really really fun and really insightful and helpful for for everybody who loves eights or isn't eight and my dear friends remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde be yourself everybody else is already taken we'll see ya When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.